Matthew 27, 51. This is a good scripture. Matthew 27, 51. This is um, Jesus died on the cross. And he shouts out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, the man is calling, they said the man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and it goes on and on and on. Here it is, Jesus is dying on the cross. Jesus is dying on the cross. And then we get down. To 51. Are you there? It says, Then behold, say behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. This is where it gets freaky though. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. I put that there. That was my lucky string. I remember Benny Hen was preaching one time. Uh, you can Google the clip. It's really funny. But he's just a preaching and preaching. And uh, all of a sudden he realized there's something flapping out of his sleeve. And he looks down and it's a sock hanging there. <laughs> National TV. Huge crusade, pulls a sock out. Uh, so funny. You know, we're all people. I want to go back to 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. I, I, I need to get this in your heart. Maybe I need to go over to the spiritual side over here. You know, people that walk on water and see angels and, and uh, cast out demons and all that. It says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to the bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. So I didn't get much of a response over here, so we need to go over here where there's actually people know what it means to be born again and to know the Savior, uh, encounter the Holy Ghost. I'm running out of sections, so. <laughs> then behold, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. Hallelujah. Woo! Come on! Wow! I found the anointing. I'm going to sit in that section next time. Hallelujah. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. Here's Jesus, he died on the cross. He dies and you know a lot of times in religion events happen but there's no there's no display of power. Buddha died, there's no display of power. Muhammad died, there's no display of power. 
But when the Son of God died on the cross, power was released in such a violent way that the the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, revealing that God was ripping, he was tearing, he's removing the barrier once and for all between God and man, and the, the God of creation invaded the earth. God is releasing the awe of God again. God is releasing the awe of God. When he died, the veil in the temple, which which represented that holy, holy place, the holy of holies, that a priest could only enter into once a year when he's bringing the sacrifice, the blood, to make atonement only one time a year. And if he sweat, if he came in with, with impure thoughts, filthy mind, whatever, if he walked into that old, into that holy place, the power of God would strike him dead instantly. The awe and reverence of God was on such a level that we can't even understand. But when a priest could go in and then he would leave, he was, he was wrecked for life because he went into the very glory and the very awe, the very essence and power of God. He stepped into that. And God said, when my son dies, I'm going to split the veil, and now all can access my presence at any time. The veil is torn. And many times we don't understand the power of that, so we live life like it has never torn. But we need to live a life that lives, a, we need to live a life where we step into the torn veil, amen? Get past that, and we can live a torn veil life, amen? amen. Yes. The people that get this revelation actually change the world, like Reinhard Bunke. There was a... a a man that he was a, a bus driver, if I remember right. I don't want to butcher the story, but he was a common guy. He encountered Jesus. He had a life that was not so good. And when he encountered Jesus, he realized the, tore what, the veil was torn and he stepped into another dimension of living. And God took that simple uh, way of living, just a school bus driver, uh, no name, no nothing, and he said, I'm going to do this for Jesus. He got it himself. He, he worked out a deal with the, the company, and he began to use the school bus to go around the community on Sundays and get all the kids that he could, and pretty soon he had one of the largest in that region of the United States, one of the largest Sunday schools that this nation has ever seen. He said, I'm going to get it done. A vision, something burning in him. He stepped through the veil, amen? We can live a life as if Jesus never died, or we can step through the veil and live on another level. I'd like you to say this the veil was torn. The veil was torn. Isn't that good? The veil was torn. 
Jesus made provision, and we're going to talk about a little of that today as I get going here. Jesus made provision through his blood, through the death, burial, resurrection. But when he died, the veil was torn and the separation between God and man, the separation was removed. You can step in right now. I'd like you to do that. Just, just in, your, in your heart, just, just step into his presence. Amen? You ever grow up or you ever been around legalism? I think, I think the attempt was very good at the beginning. Um, we've seen uh, uh, years ago in Pentecost, uh, you had the Azusa Street Revival in uh, 108, I think it was, 108 years, or uh, uh, 1908, I'm sorry. Maybe it was 1909, Azusa Street Revival, powerful revival. People came into an awareness of the things of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they had powerful meetings night after night in California. We, we went to the place where that was at, and um, uh, people still talk about it. People are writing books about it. Uh, it, was a, it was a real experience. And what happened was, when that thing began to wane, there were some things that happened. This thing went on for a long way, a long time. And even, even parts of it went and began to ignite around the world. In Africa and all over the place, there were, there were places that began to be a flaming torch for Jesus because of Azusa Street. But uh, as that began to wane, uh, people believed that if we were just holy enough, that somehow maybe God would visit us again. Now, there's a big difference between legalism and extreme holiness. Holiness. There's a big difference between legalism and on respect for God. On respect is an inward respect, an honor of the things of God. Legalism is always an outward. It's a bondage, and it comes, and it, it means well at the beginning, but it's, it's trying to be good enough to perform enough, to wear enough, to do enough, to achieve what Jesus already did on the cross. Each of those steps of holiness are trying to open the veil which was already torn. The blood already washed us. So I was a young guy, and, and uh, man, I tell you what, when, when I could live a week or two or a month trying to keep myself pure. I was just a young man, but I was on fire for Jesus. I had a crazy encounter with the Holy Spirit uh, at a young age. Uh, I would, uh, it was pretty normal to pick up hitchhikers, and I would win them to the Lord. My goal was to get them delivered from demons and to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. So I'd be driving down the road, and there was a hitchhiker. I was like, oh, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's like, I need a ride, and i like, I need you. And that was so much fun. And, uh, and many times, yeah, literally the power of God would come. And I was so excited until I did something wrong. 
And there I was, two days ago, I won somebody to the Lord. I, I helped them get delivered from some bondage in their life. And now they're flying high with Jesus. But I did something wrong. I got upset or I, I, I let my eyes wander or something happened. And we need to live clean. We need to have good character. But I would come under some of this, this, this uh, condemnation that would put out my fire. You ever been there? And so I wrestled with this, and then I would pray, and I'd fast, and I'd pray, and I'd, oh, God, please, oh, Lord. Now, we want to, I mean, I don't want to devalue, decrease the value of living clean. We need to be clean, amen? The Bible says, be holy, for I am holy. To live clean, to have good character, to, to fight through some of those bondages, to get with a pastor, get with somebody. If you're struggling in an area like pornography or something, then then link arms with someone. Come out of that ditch. But rejoice in the Lord. Be filled with the power of the Spirit. Walk in the things of God as you're coming out. Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. So there I am. I'm struggling and... Uh, I, I seen some beautiful displays of the things of God at a young age. And I was so thankful. But then I'd come under this canvas of conven- condemnation. And then I was no good for anyone. I wasn't any good for myself. And I wasn't any good. I would just re- I would pull back and I would hide and I would spend hours in my room. And I'm just, just trying to, to, to get clean enough to venture out again. Oh, God, if you could please forgive me, I'd, I'll change the world. Oh, God. You ever been there? Yeah. You ever been there? Isn't condemnation fun? Condemnation. Wow, that's a, that's a vibrant place to live. So I was pressing in, and I'm praying, and I'm saying, oh, God, I don't know what to do. And I go off to Bible college, and I'm there, and, and the same thing. Uh, and I'd walk the parking lots at night, and I'd pray, and I'd call out to the Lord. And I had a number of powerful experiences there. But the Lord finally gave me an encounter with him. He was teaching me through the word what it was to actually be born again and to walk with him. But one day I was in a prayer meeting in the men's dorm, can you believe that? The women are always praying, you know, they're good at it, you know. But you get, you get some guys praying. We used to experiment. We'd say, we're going to worship and we're going to pray until something happens. We thought, we're going to try this. And so what we do is we get together and somebody on a piano or someone on a guitar back then, it was a guitar, and uh, we knew three chords. We could play some songs poorly. And we would worship until the presence of God literally would invade that, that room. And a bunch of young seeking guys, the power of God would come. And we'd lay on our face and cry out to the Lord. Isn't that good? It's a better way to get clean. Amen. So there I am. I'm in there pressing in bunch of guys that love Jesus. And I said to the Lord, I said, God, I know that I could press in more if I could just be holy enough. If I could just be holy enough. I had pulled back from people because of something I was struggling with at that time. 
I pulled back, and, uh, and I'm in that room, and I'm praying, and, and I just wouldn't, I wouldn't go any further because I knew I had to be perfect. Any, anybody connect with what I'm saying with here? And so there I am. I'm, I'm seeking the Lord, and I'm laying on my face, and I say, oh, God, oh, God. And the power of God came in that room, and people were crying, and, and, and uh, it was a noticeable wave of the presence of God. And in that moment, I felt the presence of God come upon me. And just like that, this is one of the first times that I experienced getting caught up in the Spirit. And I went into a vision, and there I was in the throne room of God. I'm in prayer, and next thing you know, I'm in the throne room of God. And it was the strangest thing. It was like uh, he wouldn't let me see too much, but yet he let me see enough. And I was curled up, and I could see myself. And I was watching myself, and I was covered in filthy, dirty rags, like like just stinky, uh, you know, looked like I had... Uh, I don't know, like just just filthy, 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 like I stunk. And, and I'm looking at myself, and there I am, and I'm curled up. And there's this sense of the glory of God. <coughs> Excuse me. The sense of the glory of God was there, but I could not stand or, and look at it. I could not enjoy the presence of God because I was curled up in a ball, and I was pulled back. And I could see between me and the throne of God, there was a sea of like glass. And it was black, like black onyx. And I was looking at this, and there's a vast separation between me and the throne room of God. And, and I was curled up, repulsed by myself. I could see my sin. I could see the, the filthiness of myself. I could see it. I could see it. And I would try to look at the presence of God, and I couldn't do it. And the voice of God came in that, in that vision, and he said, that's how you see yourself. And I said, yes, it is how I see myself, God. And in an instant, everything changed, and I was standing up boldly, and my clothes were glistening. I don't know how to explain it. They were glistening. They were so white. And I had my, my chest out, and I was facing the presence of God, and I had a boldness on my face that I didn't recognize, but there was an extreme boldness on my face as I was looking into the throne room of God, and the, the power of God was radiating through the, the throne room, and it was going around me. It was like streaks of light, and there I stood, and boldly, my face looking at the, the throne room of God, the glory of God was there. And the Lord said, that's how I see you through the blood. That's how I see you. That's how I see you. That's how I see you. Something happened in me that day. I remember I, I laid there and I sobbed for a long time. 
What an encounter for a young man. I tried to gain my composure and I tried to even express what happened and I couldn't talk about it for quite some time. I don't know if I shared with anyone, maybe someone a week or two or a month later. But something happened on the inside of me that I knew I could never be good enough in my own works. I tried that. And from that day on, I said to the Lord, I said, God, I want to live on the other side of the veil. The Holy Spirit comes, and he comes on the inside of you when you're born again, and he brings a mop bucket and a scouring pad, and he begins to do the work on the inside of you. Did you ever notice when you got born again, you just couldn't look at porn? You know what I mean? When you got born again, you, you just couldn't drink yourself silly anymore? You ever notice when you got born again, you just couldn't kill people anymore? You know, Mark's working on that. You couldn't cuss in traffic anymore. <laughs> That's two strikes for Mark. When I got saved, the Holy Spirit came on the inside of me, and he began to clean me up. And as I walk with him, he is refining me, he is perfecting me, he is sanctifying me, amen? So the Bible says that when I received him, I was sanctified, but I am being sanctified. Doesn't that sound strange? So when I received him, I am sanctified. I have my, my driver's license from heaven that says, born again, saved, going to heaven, amen? But it also says in the bottom, but there's a lot of work to be done on the inside. <laughs> right? So in the spirit, if I'm going to do adventurous things and believe God for miracles, I have to understand that I'm going to do those th things through the other side of the veil. I can enter boldly into the throne room of grace. I am sealed. I am, I am delivered. I am forgiven. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I can walk in power. But humility says, if it wasn't for the grace of God, there's no way that this would ever happen. Amen? The Bible says, if you'd sin, confess your sins one to another. It says, if you, if you're, if you sin, confess them, and God will forgive you of your sins. Amen? You don't have to drag it around. You don't have to go to the high priest. You don't have to kill a turtle dove. You don't have to do those things. He says, acknowledge that it is a wrong action. Give it to the Lord, and let's move on from there. Don't get stuck there forever and ever and ever. Because you can beat yourself. You can whip yourself. Uh, you can. Uh, years ago, in the dark ages, they used to do this. They'd have people walk on their knees. Martin Luther did this before his great revelation when he started the Protestant movement. He was trying to get good enough, so he was walking up a flight of stairs where there was a doorway on the top of this huge uh, stairway, and when you get to the top, you would kiss the door and you would say a prayer, 
And then you'd walk back down on your knees. You go up on your knees, you come down on your knees, and your knees would be bloody. And they did this to finally feel like you paid for your sins and that you are clean enough to go through life. Amen? And he got all done and he thought, wow, my knees are bleeding and they're bruised and I feel the same way. And he started to read the scriptures and God began to open it up to him. And that he's found in there that you are justified through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses me from all sin. And when I get a revelation of the blood of Jesus, I can begin to do the things of Jesus. Are you guys okay? Is this too much? Is this too little? Well, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me it is snow, no other than I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on. Doesn't that feel good? I'd like you to turn your Bibles to John 10.10. 10. I'd like you to say this, I'm going to live... On the other side of the veil. Come on. I'd like you to do this again. Say, I'm going to live on the other side of the veil. <laughs> John 10.10, 10, it says that the thief does not come except for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and that you have, have it more abundantly. It says the thief does not come except for to steal. What is he talking about, the thief? It's actually, it's talking about there, it's a picture of shepherding. So he's the good shepherd and there's a flock of sheep and, the, you know, let's say the shepherd falls asleep, a thief comes in. And he takes a sheep, and there was a lot of people that wandered at that time. They were homeless, and, and sheep were easy prey to feed you and your family if you're homeless or your band of thieves. And you'd sneak down, you'd steal a, th a, a sheep, you'd drag it away. And the Bible says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. People want to steal sheep from a church. They want to steal people. They want to steal your relationship with God. The, the thief comes to kill, steal, and to destroy, but God comes to give you what? Life, and life more abundantly. The word there for life is the word zoe. A lot of people name their daughters Zoe. Zoe actually is a word for Eve. Did you know that? 
If you look it up in Google, it'll say a name, another name for Eve, and and if you, it, it's linked to the Hebrew and all that. But uh, Zoe talks about an abundant life, a blessed life, where you have someone that's not saved. They can be alive and they could try to achieve things, but when you meet Jesus, there's a divine exchange that happens. He takes your shame and you get his glory. He takes your poverty and gives you his wealth. There's a divine exchange that happens when you know Jesus. You receive Zoe life. That means abundant life. Say abundant life. I feel sorry for people that know, don't know Jesus. You ever go through a hard time? What do you do? You begin to pray until you feel the presence of God. The peace of God comes and you're like, I don't like this valley, but I know that God is with me and he's going to work out things. And at the end of this thing, we're going to see the hand of God and it's going to be an amazing story. Amen. Amen. The unsaved, they don't have that. They only have themselves. And some of them trying to look for answers, they'll go to a medium, they'll go to a, uh, you know, some type of uh, superstitious person, a witch, somebody to try to help them. You ever go to someone like that, a fortune teller? I, I don't advise that. <laughs> I was in New Orleans one time, I've shared that before, but... I walked by a fortune-telling booth. I was with Brandon. We're walking in New Orleans. You know, New Orleans, they have witchcraft booths all over downtown and, John, and Jackson Square and walk by the booth. And when I do, uh, I hear the Lord say, it was a word of knowledge. I walk by her booth and I hear the word, I think it was, uh, the name was Agnes. And I thought, well, that's strange. So I looked at the lady. She got all this witchcraft junk out on her table and she was giving fortunes, and uh, uh, I was going to get one, but they were too expensive. <laughs> I didn't want to lose my soul, amen? <laughs> so uh, I, I look at the lady, and I said, hey, I said, who's Agnes? And she goes, my spirit guide. And I said, yes, I know. The Holy Spirit just told me that. And she said, really? I said, yeah. I said, I knew the name, and she kind of thought that was cool. So we started talking, and then Brandon looked at me, rolled his eyes, and walked away. <laughs> Anyways, the long and the short it was, God used that as a way to talk to her, and after a long talk, we ended up praying together. She asked me to pray for her. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? All right. So the unbelieving, they don't have Zoe life. They don't have it. There is something powerful that happens when people get saved, that, that the good shepherd comes and he begins, to, he gives us abundant life. Abundant life. Say abundant life. Abundant life. I want to give you another scripture here in Galatians 3, 13 and 14. It says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. This is the New Living Translation. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. Isn't that good? Yeah. 
So through Christ, the veil was torn, but he also freed us from the curse of the law. When he hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. Isn't that amazing? In the Old Testament, if I did some heinous thing, uh, I could be stoned, I could be put to death, and somehow or another, if I did enough rituals and went to the priest, I could maybe somehow somehow finally obtain some type of freedom from this thing. So a lot of people, they hid their sin because they didn't want to be stoned. They didn't want to die. Can you imagine? But here it says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took, him, he took upon himself the curse of our wrongdoing. Isn't that amazing? So to live in shame is not releasing him to fully take on what he died for. I don't feel up to it many times to live up to the glory of God, but when he died on the cross, when I received him as my Savior, he took my shame and gave me his glory. I walk in his glory. I walk in his glory. I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter. You're walking in his glory. It's not about feeling, amen? There are times that I feel it. I mean, if the presence of God comes, I'm flopping on the floor like a crappie. The presence of God is all over me. I'm crying and going through a box of Kleenex. That's all good. But that is just a feeling that's... A good feeling because of the, the things that God did in my life, because of the Holy Spirit. But the truth is, I walk in His glory regardless. I can pray for the sick regardless. I can see the hand of God move in my life regardless, because it's not about feeling, it's about what He did on the cross. There was a guy in, in uh, Africa, he had a really powerful healing ministry. Uh, uh, Prophet Cobus, uh, countless, I mean, on his wall is still there. He passed away a number of years ago, uh, uh, but his son is running the ministry. One wall is just filled with crutches. And he said many times, he said when, the, when uh, he knew he was supposed to pray for the sick, he said many times I, I was tired, I didn't feel anything, but he said the scripture in the Bible about Isaiah that he is the healer, it would stand out to me. And he'd say, God, it's not about my feeling, it's about what you did. And he'd line up the people and he'd pray for them and the Spirit of God would come and move through a man that felt almost nothing many times and person after person after person would come there and get saved, delivered, and healed. He was walking in the glory. You guys okay? It says, but Christ rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on the cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it was written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who hung on the tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles. That's you and I. Now, this is past tense. <laughs> 
I want you to get this in your heart. It says through, you guys with me here, verse 14, Galatians 3, it's important to read your Bibles. You need to get this in your heart. You need to circle it. You need to underline it. You need to take your wife's lipstick and go around it. This is so powerful. You know, when you travel internationally, you have to go up to the counter and they say, give me your ID. And you pull out your ID and they look at you. And they look at this and they look at you. And they look at this and then they scan it. Some places they even do a retina test now because they want to make sure that this is, you know, who, who, in, who is in front of them is actually who it is. And this is what it's saying, who you are. It says, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles. When they look at your ID, they're saying, here is a blessed Gentile. And another scripture says that we were blessed with the blessings of Abraham. What were those blessings? You have to go back to Genesis and read them. He's going to bless them. There's going to be a great nation. He's, and look what he did with Abraham. He blessed him with wealth. He blessed him. He was with him in the things he did in his life. He was blessed. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. All right. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. All right. When we understand it was the work of the blood of Jesus, I can be blessed and I can receive the Holy Spirit. I'm living on the other side of the veil. Amen. <laughs> I, I need to go back over here to the spiritual side. Or wait, this was the spiritual side. Because <laughs> we need to get this in our heart. Through Christ Jesus, say through Christ Jesus. All right. I just want you, to get you, I want you to get this. God has blessed the Gentiles. Are you blessed or are you cursed? So when you go to the pump and you pay for your gas, say, I am so blessed, I can, I can pay for my gas. Amen. For my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Not some unsaved guy. They, they've got nothing. They got nothing. They open their spiritual wallet. They've got nothing. But when I'm in Christ, I am blessed. You guys okay? You're like, wow, this is boring. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessings he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. How many want to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. All right. Your identification card has already passed inspection if you're saved. And you can freely be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even the gifts of the Spirit, charismatic gifts, charismata, grace gift, undeserved favor, undeserved gift. Jesus is coming over because you got saved, gives you the Holy Spirit, gives you an undeserved gift, and you say, I don't feel worthy. He says, stop it! (laughs) 
gift of healing. <laughs> gift of crying, yes. A charismatic gift. What did he do to deserve that? Then he fits the picture. He received Jesus Christ. The Bible says that when he did that, he was blessed with the same blessing of Abraham, and that through that, he can have the Holy Spirit. And the gifts are not based on merit. They are based on the grace of God. So I'd like you to just put one hand up and say this. I qualify to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I can use my gifts because I'm saved. Amen. Woo, come on. All right, let's wrap this up. <laughs> oh, Lord. Give me your love for others. And Acts, real quick, you, you don't have time to go here, but Acts 10, you see where Jesus, oh Jesus, Acts 10, you see where Peter was on the roof and he's praying and God is trying to teach him this whole thing about the Gentiles and the Jews. How, you know, the, Gent, the Jews had the blessing of Abraham, but now God was going to bring in the, in, the, in the Gentiles. God was going to bring in the Gentiles through the work of the cross. And it was really hard for the Jews to understand this because they always were told to stay away from, you know, unclean people, don't mix, don't, don't do all that. And Peter has this encounter with God where he sees the sheet with all these unclean animals and the sheet comes down, and God says to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I, I, I've never eaten anything unclean. And three times this thing happens, and finally he begins to get it. Remember the whole visit of Cornelius and that whole thing? But he finally, finally begins to get it. That the Gentiles, through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, can receive salvation, can have the Holy Spirit, can move in the dimensions of the Spirit as much or more than anyone else. Amen? Amen. Now, they were starting to get freaked out because when they started to preach to the Gentiles, they didn't have a lot of the baggage. They didn't, you know, they didn't have all the rules and everything. So they would receive Jesus, like in Corinth, when Paul and others went to preach over in Corinth across the sea, they went over, and these Gentiles heard the message of Jesus, accepted him, were filled that day with the Holy Spirit, went out, began to win their friends, and great miracles, signs, and wonders were breaking out everywhere. And people were shocked that God would move so powerfully among a Gentile nation that didn't understand even who Abraham was. Why? Because they knew enough to know Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit moved through them through grace. And communities were saved through that action. Amen?
It's so important that we understand when we came to Jesus, it was no little thing. It was no little thing. In Hebrews it said, for then most he for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And then if I had time I could go further. But it says one time he had to do this. One time he had to die. One time he offered his blood. One time and it was sufficient. And coming to know Jesus Christ is understanding what he did on the cross, accepting it, asking him to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and then watch out world because he's asking you to go change it through him. Amen? So I'd like you to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood. As a picture of the blood of Jesus, we've seen when the Jews left Egypt, when they came out after the lamb's blood was applied. You remember that story? The lamb's blood was applied. The lamb's blood was applied to the door and the lentil. The lamb's blood, it was in the shape of a cross. They left there delivered. Say delivered. delivered. We need to see people delivered from things. They left with the wealth of Egypt. And they left in good health. There was not one feeble amongst them. I want to live on the other side of the veil. Amen. I want to live on the other side of the veil. I want to live on the other side of the veil. All that was provided for me and for you. Jesus, help us to have a revelation. Paul prayed for the church in Ephesians. He said, I pray that your heart would be flooded with revelatory light. Revelatory light. I pray that your heart would be flooded so they could understand who Jesus was, so they can understand who they were. And it takes revelation to begin to understand that. Amen? I'd like you to stand up. You guys okay? Did this make sense? The Lord will remind me from time to time when I start getting back into legalism. Again, it's good to live clean. Amen? The Holy Spirit is working on us. The Bible says in Titus, he says, the grace of God teaches us not to sin. Amen? Teaches us not to do those things. But he's teaching us. He's working on us. He does a better job than I do. But I need to work with him. All right. I think God has given us a holy moment here. Father, I pray that their hearts would be flooded with revelatory light, that they would see who you are, the work that you did on the cross. And because of that, we can have the blessings of Abraham and be filled with the Holy Spirit, like your word says. Lord, help us to have an awe and a reverence for what you did on the cross.
We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes me, that cleanses me. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Just wait on him for just a second here. Lord, I thank you, Father. Just wait on him for just a second here. I think he wants to show up. I'd like the ministry team to come up here. Um, I think God wants to set some people free. We're going to dismiss. But I don't want to dismiss without giving you an opportunity. The word, we talked a lot about the blood, the cleansing, the blessings of Abraham. But I think God wants to help you live on the other side of the veil this morning. If you're struggling with condemnation and you want to walk in the power of the Spirit again, you want to be used as a man of God where you live, as a woman of God where you live, as a young person on fire for Jesus. There it is. I feel the presence of God here. Wow. The blessings of God, the power of God, the infilling of the Spirit. Wow. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just come and invade this place. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just come right now and just fill this place. Come on, just take a second. Just take a second. Come on, just take a second. Just call out to him and say, God, give me a revelation of the blood of Jesus. Give me a revelation of the torn veil. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd fill each person. Just ask him, fill me again with the Holy Spirit. Fill me again with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, come. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for the blessings of God on our life. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, the cleansing. I'm sanctified, but I'm being sanctified. I thank you for that. But Lord, I pray for a visitation of the Holy Spirit upon your people here today. A Holy Spirit invasion. Living beyond the veil. Living on the other side of the veil. If you want a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, God is here today. If you feel like you've been wrestling with condemnation and there's been a blockage, I, I don't want you to run out of the church yet because God is wanting to minister to you. You can leave different today. Amen? So be humble, and I'm going to ask you to come up and receive prayer, and something's going to happen in you, and God is going to touch you, and you're going to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to just, if those who want prayer, and then we're going to pray and dismiss, but we want to give people time up front. So just come forward right now. God's just calling some people. God's calling some people. I want you to just come right up. The Holy Spirit is drawing some people. Go ahead. Go ahead, and then we're going to close. Come on. Holy Spirit, I just pray. There's a few more people. The Lord was showing me, and you've been wrestling in your heart, and you're saying, I want to go further. And today is a good day to do that. Just be humble. Step out and come forward.
Just one more moment. I promise we'll close in a second here. Maybe you're saying, Lord, I want the fire back. I want that fire back. I want that zeal back. Take a step of faith and come up and just begin to allow God to refill you. Amen. Holy Spirit, I pray you draw people one more time. 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 If you want that fire back, that zeal, you feel like sin has been kicking your tail, (laughs) I want you to just come up. Let the Holy Spirit touch you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Release your fire. There it is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One more time. I just kept feeling the Lord is just saying, there's somebody that's just, you've been asking the Lord for this opportunity. Just come on up, and then we're going to close. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you want to know Jesus or to have that fire come back again, that's good. Shoo. That's good. All right, put your hand on somebody next to you in the congregation. We're going to pray. And then if when, when we close, if you want to come up, that's fine. But Holy Spirit, we thank you for your work. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the Tor veil. We thank you, God, that we can move powerfully and move forward in the gifts of the Spirit. We thank you for that, God. I pray for the Holy Spirit to come on the congregation. I thank you, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, come. (laughs) Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Shoo! Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we thank you. Amen. All right, in the congregation, we love you. We bless you. I pray you have an awesome rest of your summer. Amen. God bless you. If you want prayer, go ahead and come forward.